What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time in the age of wonder. There was once a dream you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith. Trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Think up that hap hap happiest thought so you can fly away with me to Neverland. I, of course, am your head Lost Boy Jeremy. You can call me the Spider Pan because every Lost Boy has to have a nickname. And I'm here with Lost Boy Kryptonian, known as the Phil. And Seth, we don't have a Lost Boy nickname for you, but we just call him Sethro, so you can be Lost Boy Sethro. Lost Boy Sethro, how you doing? Spectacular. Oh. You have to speak up louder than that. Very spectacular. Yeah, we got to make sure everybody can hear you, all the folks at home. So, yeah, we have three of us here, which is kind of different and fun. You know, I always thought it would be kind of an interesting podcast with the three of us. We're knuckleheads anyway. If you could just sit into some of our weird conversations, I'm sure it would make a good show. But uh, we're here, of course, because uh, I've got two things here coming up for you this week. Which I got to first, I guess I better say, yes, the website is down. Yes, I'm aware of it. It's the same problem I had before. I'm trying to get it fixed. But eventually, NeverlandPodcast.com will be back. I just don't know when that's going to happen. But the website, yes, is down, and I'm working on it. Uh, but we've got lots of fun things coming up on the show, because, of course, because Toy Story 4 came out this weekend, so we're going to talk about that Yay. film, some of its production, and, of course, what we thought of the film. And then I have a very special guest, Gary Woods, which you would not know his name from the right out, but there was this, uh, and it's not really a fan film, it's a feature-length movie that he filmed independently called Saving Star Wars. It's basically what happens when two guys accidentally kidnap George Lucas. It's hilarious. I've seen it. He's actually working on another documentary. Uh, it's probably going to take us a couple of weeks to get through everything because 
he, he just loved to be able to tell these stories. He has a lot of fun stories about filming it, about getting a copy of his film into George Lucas's hands, and maybe it was his influence that, that, that George Lucas made sure that we now have 7, 8, and 9 coming, because it could have been their influence, and I'll let him tell that story later. So we've got lots of fun coming up today. Not a whole lot of news that I really want to get into, but there's a couple things i got to bring up. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Now, did y'all see this happen? So, on Twitter, Marvel puts out an image. And it's a four as a spider web. It has a little spider in it. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, saw, you didn't see I that. saw that. You saw this. Now, when this happened, everybody freaked out. Now see, I, you know, I've been doing this now, I'm on my sixth season, I know when some sort of news comes, wait until you have something official before you go ahead, because you will make a fool of yourself. There were YouTube channels claiming they knew exactly what it was, and they came out instantly with saying, oh, they're going to adapt Sam Raimi's script to Spider-Man 4, and they're going to make a comic book of it. And people were sure of it. No, it's the Fantastic Four where Spider-Man was a part of it. <laughs> I'm yeah, just and, that, and that was the thing, because I figured it would be because Marvel put it out, not Marvel Studios. So I thought, it's probably something in the comic books, and I don't know, maybe they're going to do something with the Fantastic Four, because Dan Slott, who wrote Spider-Man for about 10 years, is now working Fantastic Four. So that would be interesting. Maybe they're going to do a crossover. Could be something like that. But I wasn't going to say that or announce it online. I did not post anything. I said, let me just sit back and wait, because Marvel will say something more. But everybody on Sunday freaked out. Four! Four! That's Spider-Man 4! some fashion and they got my buddy DJ Man Cub he was getting excited because I think he liked the idea of a comic adaption he, he sent me some videos it's like you know, I, and it would have been cool and I think they got his hopes up but then Monday comes out and out on Twitter Marvel pump, pumps out a Spiderweb 3 silence everybody's like it's a countdown so now the funny thing is we had this huge build up I was expecting a huge announcement because they're counting down every day until Thursday. And what they finally announced, J.J. Abrams and his son, I think his son's name was Henry, are writing a Spider-Man miniseries that's coming out later this year. Oh, okay. I was expecting something big. But this is cool. Yeah, this is neat. This is very neat, but I, I don't know. The building up with the countdown, I expected something even bigger. Like a movie or something. Something. Well, something. well yeah, not TV, not a movie. TV not a movie show. from not from Marvel directly. Oh, this yeah. is the comic company. Yeah, yeah. The comic app. So I knew it was gonna be something. But I was like, oh, well, okay, cool. I'm gonna buy it. It sounds interesting. But I don't know. Somehow I thought, well, you're counting down. You want the explosion after one. This didn't feel like an explosion. It felt like, oh, hey, that's kind of cool. All right, <laughs> I like that. But I expected something that was gonna knock my socks off. It didn't knock my socks off. But I'm 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 kind of excited. I like the idea. It's gonna be cool. I like J.J. Abrams, so I'm like, yeah, cool. cool. But I don't know. I, th I, I expected more of a bombshell than, than that. What was you going to say, you said? Well, you know, Sarah said something about that, too. And she, she said, you know, some people were going so far to think that it was going to be a live-action movie <laughs> announcement of the Into the Spider-Verse. Like, you're going to get, you know... Like, they were going to cross every Spider-Man from film ever and somehow another. 
Because I saw some pictures of people drew on that of like, oh, they're going to bring Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. They're going to be in a movie with yeah. Tom Holland. I mean, who doesn't want to hear Uncle Ben? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was the epic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. And it would have been kind of neat in the Spider-Verse concept with what they've got with the Miles Morales movie, which I know yeah. Philip loved. He got so excited we were watching that. Oh, I bought it the other day. That's a great awesome. It's a great one. I, um, I was reading stuff in the middle of the night where they were talking about all these comic book movies that are going to be made. Turns out that, that I don't know, 75% of them are just rumors. Right. And, and, and I never report a rumor. Yeah, and I'm not saying that a lot of them wouldn't be fun. They would be fun. But most of them, as we just said, are rumors. Right. Um, but it would be nice because they got a multiverse going in some animation to maybe do an animated version of Tom Holland, an animated version of Tobey Maguire, and that an animated version of Andrew Garfield, and have them all together. It, that would have been a fun idea. That might have been a big bomb, big bomb announcement, and maybe J.J. Abrams was going to direct it. That would be fun. That would have been cool. But, um, but not that this isn't cool. I am thinking this is cool, but I think I expected bigger. Well, when you do a countdown, you have to have an explosion. We're all denied of seeing Toby Maguire's constipated looking face again. <laughs> Every time we well, gotta stop he, a movie, he's he making know pretty good Peter Parker, though. This may not be the final countdown. Come right in, Frenchman! No, like, not really, because I'm not playing it. The other big announcement that actually came out that I gotta bring up was Toys R Us is coming back what? by Christmas. Yay! Another company owns it. They've taken care of all their debt problems, but there's only gonna be 10 stores. Oh. They're only gonna be about 10,000 square feet, so they're not big yeah. stores. But they're going to have an online store, because, and that's where everything's going. That's pretty much what drove Toys R Us out of business is Amazon. All the online stores, they're killing regular walk-in retail stores. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because I want I, I don't mind shopping online, but I want to walk into a store and look you. at it Same and here, get man. hands-on. And I do have digital movies, but nearly every digital movie I have, I have a hard copy of. Yeah. Because if Voodoo goes out of business or something, I still have my movie, right? <laughs> well, you all what? Nothing. Because, you know, I know you're all the same as me because we're all, you know, you're older than I am. Hey. I'm an old fogey. Oh, hey. <laughs> by oh, by hey. a year. Uh, not even a year. That, well, yeah. no, Seth has got me by a year. Yes, but I don't. You got me by a few months. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Maybe a movie. Yeah, we're gonna be a movie. Starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken. Oh, good. Uh, real quick thing, though, while we get into Toy Story 4. Yes. want to bring in some stuff, uh... You know, here's from the official press release. This featured, of course, Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, Annie Potts, Tony Hale. I love Tony Hale. Yeah. Keegan Michael Key, which they they should put his partner in there. Jordan Peele, Key and Peele, and a role that fit them. Oh, they're funny. Uh, Madeline McGraw, Christina Hendricks as Gabby the Ga Gabby Gabby. I guess it was really. Wasn't who, it? who was that? Who put who did the Christina voice Hendricks? Uh, I think she was in like Ad Men or Mad Men or whatever. I don't know. I I, I haven't. Paid I recognize the voice, but I didn't know who she was. I haven't seen a lot of stuff with her. Keanu Reeves, Ali Mackey, Jay Hernandez, Lori Allen, Joan Cusack, Bonnie Hunt, back again, Kristen Schall, Emily Davis, Wallace Shawn, John Ratzenberger, Blake Clark, June Squibb, Carl Weathers, Lila Sage, Don Rickles, Jeff Garland, Malaya Vargas Good, Jack McGraw, Juliana Hansen, Estelle Harris, Josh Cooley. Oh, no, Josh Cooley was the director. This yeah. is his first feature. But now here's the thing I find very, very interesting in this press release. I saw this later on IMDb. Because I recognized one of them, Mel Brooks, mm. is in this. Carol Burnett is in this. And I forgot who the third guy was. 
some other. Let me I'll get an IMDb real quick. But they all have cameos as characters in a closet, which I you know I don't want to spoil anything, so I can't really say much. But uh, I I saw this just before, but they have cameos, but they I, I don't know if maybe they just didn't want to credit it until later. But uh, I find it also funny the names of their characters in the film. There we go. So here, Alan Oppenheimer was old timer the clock. Uh, Alan Oppenheimer. Okay, Seth is getting. I was like, you know who that was? Skeletor and about everything awesome. else. Awesome. Skeletor was old timer. Carol Burnett was Carol with a weird spelling. Burnett. Uh, she was like, I can't remember what what sort of toy she was in the closet. Um, Betty White Betty was White. like Bitey White. Uh, Carl Reiner was Carl uh, Rhinoceros. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, Mel Brooks was Melephant Brooks. <laughs> He's the only voice I really recognize straight away in the closet there. But it was nice to have these little cameos in yeah, there. Yeah, that's that neat. That's really so, cool. I thought it was a fun detail. But the synopsis here is Woody, voice of Tom Hanks, has always been confident about his place in the world and that his priority is taking care of his kid, whether that's Andy or Bonnie. So when Bonnie's beloved new craft project turned toy Forky, voice of Tony Hale, stole the movie for a little bit, declares himself as trash and not a toy, Woody takes it upon himself to show Forky why he should embrace being a toy. But when Bonnie takes the whole gang on her family's road trip excursion, Woody ends up on an unexpected detour that includes a reunion with his long-lost friend Bo Peep, voice of Annie Potts, after years of being on her own. Bo's adventurous spirit and life on the road belie her delicate porcelain exterior. As Woody and Bo realize their worlds apart when it comes to life as a toy, they soon come to find out that's the least of their worries. And that is my impersonation of, I cannot think of his name now but he lives in, nearby but he does a lot of voice voiceover stuff like that is that his name no <laughs> and I, I and i've met him and now i can't think of his name he was professor plutonium in the powerpuff girls he's yoda oh, really? uh, in the clone wars Very and cool. then in the rebels uh, but when you hear his voice he does that great style like that which is what i was kind of doing there and now i can't think of his wow everybody's yelling at their their ipods and phones right now because no, no, I'm an see, idiot. this is what you get for talking about getting older you know i'm forgetting old. stuff and he's a cool guy, and he's done so much stuff. But he has this thing when, like, on Clone Wars, he would announce the beginning of story, and he has this, he has this great way that he does it. And I was trying to. It's okay. That. You did the best you could. <laughs> yeah, I probably could have done better, <laughs> but, but so that is the official synopsis of the film. Now I do have some, of course, fun facts that I dug up from the press release. Before we get into the actual review, and we'll tell you what we thought about it. But all right, so let's talk a little bit about the production. And I will alternate with you because you're close enough to be able to read the screen. So I'll read the odd numbers. You read the even numbers. Good? We will try our best. All right. So first, story. The, the storyboard was drawn by story artist Afton Corbin for the sequence called Recruit Duke. Storyboards are drawn by story artists in order to pre-visualize the film as the script is being written. They are placed side by side in sequence by the editorial team to convey the pace of scenes and deliver a rough sense of how the story unfolds. The storyboard is one of... I gotta get my mouse to work. Approximately 1,530 boards delivered to editorial for this particular sequence. In total, 145,389 storyboards were delivered for the entire film. Art. Once the storyline for a sequence is determined, concept art is created by the production designer and art determined department. Dep that's what I said. Art department to determine the look <laughs> and feel of the film. This concept art piece was created by artist John Lee and showcases the exploration of color and design for the characters and new environments in this sequence. 
Woody Embo go from the muted antique mall corridors to inside the vibrant pinball machine to meet Duke Kaboom. Now, sets. Using art reference for guidance, technical artists build basic forms and shapes of the sets and characters in the computer during a process called modeling. See, it's all kind of standard around the post. No, I'm kidding. All right, shading <laughs> comes next, during which technical artists use a combination of painting and programming to apply textures, colors, patterns, and other material Oops, and other material properties to give the sets complexity and appeal. Layout in the sun. This image also shows the phase known as layout. You can read it normally if you want, you know. I don't know how. <laughs> in which a virtual camera is placed into a shot. The characters are staged or roughly posed and animated into positions within the built set that work visually with the chosen camera angle. This staging helped to inform the director, editor, and animators of the composition, timing, and acting intention. Excuse me. He moved it on me. Sorry. Uh, intention of the shot. When layout is complete, the characters are brought to life by the animation department. Animators often use video, refer video reference of themselves or the voice actors to inform mouth shape or expressions, as well as overall movement of the characters. On average, it takes four to six weeks to animate a shot, but because the composition of the characters in this shot was so complex, it took the animation department eight weeks to complete. Now, they're just talking about the one shot, like they're referring to recruiting Duke this whole time, by the way. Ah, lighting. The lighting department helps to I'm sorry, integrate. That's yeah. what I said, integrate <laughs> all the elements, character sets, effects, etc. into a final fully visual, uh, visually realized image the lighting process involves placing virtual light sources to the scene to illuminate the characters and the set. Technical artists place the lights to draw the audience's eye to story points and to create a specific mood. The lit images are then rendered at high resolution. 24 lit images, each around 2 million pixels, are created for each one second of the movie. Now, they're also they were talking about how they use light to draw your eye to stuff. They use that same trick in video games when they're trying to get the player to go a certain way. Oh. They'll make sure that the lighting is set up just such a way so it draws your attention so you can go for the next area of the level. It's very, very interesting. And it's stuff, when I get a little lost, I'll start to look at that. It's like, okay, well, the gamers, the, the designers want me to find where to go next. Let me look to see where something stands out. Because I, I, I hadn't thought of that until, uh, I think it's the first Left 4 Dead movie, or not movie, game, Left 4 Dead, has a like the director's cut version of playing the game, and you can stop and press little things, and it'll pause things out, and you'll hear them talk about how they developed it, and they were talking about like you know, and especially when you have a dark room, the players need to get across it, and you got give them guidance by having maybe a light over there, because you're naturally going to be drawn over to where the light is, and so here's this kind of fun in lighting, you know, can talking about you want to draw the attention of the audience to certain things, you know, all of the characters. So I find that to be very, very interesting. Anyways, all the natural phenomenon seen in the final image, such as the dust and atmosphere, were brought to life by the effects department. Effects artists create these elements using com complex simulation software. Oh, I feel like the uh, Jurassic Park uh, yeah. DNA. Complex simulation software that models the physics of how certain materials move. These effects elements provide a believable and tangible sense of interaction between the characters and their rich, realistic world which also helps to reinforce the emotional stakes for the audience. Now, we have another kind of uh, interesting topic. 
Because one of the big deals with this was Bo got a complete rehaul. I mean, we got to see a whole different, but I, it's very interesting. I hadn't, until I had read this over from the press release, I didn't realize how much of Bo's classic design was still trying to be kept in this new look. Yeah, so part of the dress and everything. Yeah, uh, but as they say it here, it says, Artists explored several options for Bo Peep's new costume, but only ultimately decided to return to Bo's roots. We stuck with her original color scheme of baby blue, pink, and white to maintain the core of the character as we know her, said Mara McMahon, uh, who's the character artist. But according to Hobson, the rest of Bo's look was turned upside down. We all knew that we wanted to give her the freedom of not having the dress without losing her beauty and femininity says Hobson, so we uh, embraced elements of her old costume that we really loved, like the bell-shaped dress, but decided that over the years she's figured out how to turn the skirt into a cape if she wants to be a superhero or a wizard for a kid. She can also change her toy pose and finagle her dress to be like a ballerina if she so chooses. Instead of a toy with a static costume, Bo is ever-changing. I think that is the hallmark of her adaptability, says McMahon. It represents everything she's learned over the years. She is still very much the original Bo Peep that, with that sass and wit and inner strength, but she has also grown up quite a bit. And I like, I appreciate that the in the film, she she did seem like Bo Peep that we knew, but just a little bit more, slightly different experiences from the rest of it. A little I was, tougher. I was worried how they were going to change the character, that we were going to lose something of her. Uh, but no, she was great. Uh, it, it, it did fit right in. I really, I, I kind of liked her this way, because I was, I was also concerned. You know, in the previous movies, she was never really involved in any of the adventures so much. She was always at home because she's a porcelain doll. And I do, I don't want to spoil anything, but I do like that they acknowledge that. Yeah, she's ceramic. She's made of porcelain. She's, you know, and she's been broken a few times. And even in some of the character design, they talked about they were trying to put, you know, how. Uh, you know, you have something porcelain or ceramics, it gets those little tiny micro little cracks and you can kind of see the lines. They actually tried to put those into parts of her body, but not on her face. They didn't want her face to show any of it. Yeah. But they tried to put some of that aging into her, which I couldn't see. But I did notice her fabric looked a lot more like fabric in the opening of the movie when you when you get a look at her and wearing her old fabric. It it looked more real. The, the, their well, technology is getting the amazing. The advancements in the technology. Oh, yeah, man. It's amazing. I, it's funny. I, I love the original movie. Yeah, I, still it do. Was so, it was so great. But, of course, that's the first one. I mean, right. not just in Toy Story, but really. Right. The four, yeah. But when you watch it now, and this is not to put it down in any way, shape, or form, because, I mean, if it for that, we wouldn't have anything. Right. But when you watch that film and you compare it to the third one or this one, you can see the definite differences in the animation yeah. greatness. With, but I watched that movie, and then I saw bits and pieces of the original one. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh man, yeah. what, yeah. what great advances they have made. I mean, even between the first one and the second one, really. Yeah. I gotta say, my favorite one's still the second one. Yes. Well, a number, because this one was not the best Toy Story movie, and neither was it the best Pixar movie, but it was darn good. I gotta say, my favorite, this is just for me personally, my favorite ones are uh, two, probably one, four, three. That's just me personally. My least favorite is three. I, I like it. Just a little it's, sad. It's stressful. It's, I and a little stress. sad. And a little sad. But, but I can this, give that one some credit. I'll get to that later. Oh, it's good. But this well, one to me makes makes that makes up for any sadness in that one. I just like this one. This I one was funny. One. And it was fun. Well, you know, I just remember taking my daughter, you know, to see the third one. Because that one came out on her birthday. So oh, I, yeah, I, I, I was pumped up. I was excited. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, she's going to love She's going <laughs> to love this. And so we're sitting there watching it. <laughs> And she she liked parts of it, but she also didn't like parts of it, you know, especially where it looked like 
Woody and Buzz were going to a certain fiery fate. Yeah. Well, oh my goodness. Well, there were there was a child next to us that was with his father. Probably in tears, wasn't he? Well, he was in tears, and he pretty much was like, Dad, are Woody and Buzz going to you know where? Oh, no! Yeah, and so people were laughing, and, but then the kid was confused because when it looks like they're just about to go down at the last minute, all of a sudden you see this bright light and a clock <laughs> coming down, and I kid you not, the kid was, Jesus? And <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it was just it was just a complete different experience you know from the other toy story things. yeah it was and, and so you know after we got done watching it you know i was expecting sarah i like no she didn't like it she yeah. does now but she didn't like it yeah that one was almost too mature for yeah. like the eyes where, where people are going to bring their young kids i guess but I, I think there was some symbolism of like a heaven and hell thing going on i never thought of it but when you look at it it was like yeah, they're about to die and go to hell and then the light from heaven <laughs> yeah, opens the, up that's that's that does create in your mind that thought though when you think I, about I, it. I thought it seemed that way. Yeah, because I'm also like, a pastor. Know. You all know that I'm a pastor, but yeah. but I, I I wasn't then. But that that being said, it does kind of give you that symbol. I I didn't yeah. yell that out in front of everyone. Like that yeah. poor little kid did. Yeah, <laughs> that's oh. but uh, the, but that actually brings up one of the points I want to make. And this I don't know if I'd call it a criticism or complaint or just I darn. Like I wish film. they would have done this. Toy Story three for its ending. And even for the, the duration of the movie, it's always been, this, the series, been an ensemble. It's always That's been about true. all these characters we've loved from the first one. And everybody had like good amount of screen time, and you loved every character. And we've gone with these same characters, with a few added on, every bit at a time, and even some new friends we got in the third movie. And it, it was enough to where it built that emotional bond. When they thought they were all going to burn in the incinerator, and they locked hands together, it made, it made us want to cry. Because they thought, oh, they're all going to die together. But then they get to stay together over, you know, joining with Bonnie. There was that togetherness that we had. This movie, if I had anything I, that I w would complain about, a lot of our characters that we've loved from the first movie had one line. Yeah, They're there in the background, but they had one line. The only thing I could say about that... And I'm, well, I got more today. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't ahead. finished, but they had one line. It's like every character we've loved through this entire thing was a cameo. Yeah, you're right It was that. like they had a cameo, and... The, when they build it up so much where the, the reason, oh, that they make, you know, we've got a good idea for a story because we didn't need a Toy Story 4. We really didn't. It really wrapped it up in the third one. Uh, so when we, they say we've got a good story and then part of the press are saying, oh, when they were doing the voice, oh, everybody just got so emotional. Oh, it's, the ending is so emotional. I had that so many times. Oh, it's such an emotional ending. I knew what was going to happen. I, oh, well, there's going to be a moving emotional ending. I pretty much knew what that ending was going to be before I walked into that theater. You know, was the only thing, because based upon what you see in trailers and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I kind of see where this is going. And they set it up for you, even at the beginning. You're like, yeah, I know it's going to be emotional. The problem is, what's supposed to be emotional, I didn't get reattached to any characters. They, or they relied too much on the previous films getting you to love these other characters to where this movie didn't build it up to where I felt the separation that I should have felt to where I would have been emotional about it. To me, the most emotional thing about it was, and I, I, I gotta be careful about spoilers, but the whole Gabby Gabby storyline and how that worked out was more emotional to me than what should have been this separation that happens. Because even Buzz Lightyear was a side character. He's not even a supporting character on this one anymore. So I, I didn't have the emotional build because Buzz Lightyear's like one of my favorite. 
You know, he, I he love Buzz Lightyear. He was in it, he quite, was in it yeah. quite a bit, but he didn't have the same position in the I, film the that things, he had before. He was a comic relief, and he almost barely has a because one of his big his his personal storyline, and I like that a lot of characters had a personal storyline. His big thing was trying to figure out his inner voice, and it, it and it was funny, but it was made for comedy relief. And I don't know if it's supposed to be he found his inner voice when finally at the end he breaks the toy code and yells something when they can't see his mouth move. If that's supposed to be the resolution for finding his inner voice or what, but it is, I guess, something he made a decision to do on his own without consulting his button. Yeah. But I, I, I felt like he was kind of pushed aside to where I was like, well, goodbye there at the end. It didn't have the weight that it should have to me. Because I didn't get reinvested for this movie, I you know sometimes each movie you need to get reinvested with well, your new with well, that's your friends. You could watch the other films. Yeah, if I had watched all four in a row, it would have built it. I did just but, happen to watch the third. But movie, even so. the third, even the third one, you were invested enough in all the other side characters to where when you have that moment at the end where you think they're all going to die, and the, but they join well, up. Well, at least we're going to die together. You had that, and I didn't feel that comradeness. Well, my daughter's time. main comment was after. Why wasn't Mr. Potato Head causing more problems? Like he could. He had head. one line. It, There's reason. Mrs. Yeah. Potato Head didn't yeah. have any lines. There's a reason why Mr. Potato Head. I mean, now Don Rickles passed was, away, say, but he no, was alive when they were recording. But I will say, I was actually glad for him that they allowed him to have that line. They didn't yeah. get anyone else because I was afraid that they were going to have uh, that they were not going to be able to have him in it. Well, uh, I was thrilled. Well, he was alive when they were recording. The, you know, the recording they, they, sessions done long before the animation. Well, so, yeah, that's true. So but they had plenty of time was, for him to do it. They just they didn't did. write for him anymore. Same as ever, Timothy Dalton well, had one line. And the nice thing is their lines are usually a joke because this movie was one of the funniest ones they've ever yeah, put out. Yeah, they did good. Yeah. But everybody else was pretty much, except for Woody and Bo Peep, Everybody else was comic relief. Even the two new characters, Bunny and Ducky, are pretty much just comedy relief, and they were funny. Oh, they were great. So nobody failed yeah. to be in comic relief. It was just kind of sad that. That's that's about all they were. Those two actors though, are great. They they're perfect for comedy. They were players. so funny. They're all they're hilarious, and they are all the time. Everything they yeah. do is great. Yeah. So I mean, it was very enjoyable, and it's that's, that's just a mild thing that I really wish I could have had more time with some of the other characters because we if this was going to wrap up every Toy Story movie, I wanted to be able to say goodbye to all my Toy Story friends, but not just in truth. You know. In truth. It, this is probably it, but they yeah. could always, if they wanted to, the further adventures of Bo Peep and Woody, <laughs> or or the others on their own. I mean, they, yeah. you honestly but could. It wouldn't be the same without Woody. He's been our star character in every movie. I'm simply saying you could always make side stories. Yeah, on, side stories. Yeah, it wouldn't have to be a movie. Even you could always do. Don't movies. give them any ideas. They'll, they'll, <laughs> they come up with something, they may do it. I but, love uh, little small stories about just those two new characters on the side. You know, Bunny and Ducky. Yeah, you know, stu- uh, stuck on you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could do. You could do things like they're like fugitives that running away from the carnival or something that would have been funny, funny because they're chained together yeah, you know stuck on you that'd be hilarious they could have done a lot of funny stuff with that yes but I do like the overall message though because I was worried for at one point in the movie I was worried that we're going to get away from Woody's message Woody has always been about I'm there for that kid yeah and it's Bo, at one point Bo Peep tells him off like it's a bad thing yeah I was, and it almost almost seemed like he was going to relate that to the to the antagonist and I'm glad that that got resolved later. Yeah. And Bo Peep realized that she's... Yeah, because <laughs> after that, I was like, oh, if you say Woody's been wrong about that, ever, that the most important thing for him is that kid, and belonging to a kid is the most important thing for a toy, if you're going to suddenly say that's wrong, you'll destroy what you've done in the past three movies. Yeah, I got worried too. I, I, so that scared me, but then that was also just leading into... Because Woody is right. Woody is willing to sacrifice everything. What's that show? And then loyalty. That's you know. What, I, I saw, love Kaboom. I saw somebody even post to Facebook. Tell me right now that Woody is not worthy of carrying Mjolnir. If Cap is, then Woody surely is. 
Heck yes, Woody is totally worthy of Mjolnir because how he's willing to sacrifice anything so a, so a toy can be reunited with another kid. This, what? Let's say, let's face it, Woody's awesome. I, oh, I love it, but uh, I, I love who he's named after. Uh, Woody Harrelson? No, no Woodrow. They, what, they really? Named, yeah, they named after Woodrow. See, I always figured he also. I figured since he was called Woody, it was because he was. I thought he was like a wooden doll, like a wooden head. Yeah. And they kind of destroyed that for him by stepping on it. And no, he's plastic. Oh. And also, I thought that his his star was supposed to be stitched on, and it's so easily removed. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler warning. That kind of you know, they, it's like they redesigned Woody a little bit because they wanted to make some changes for some good story stuff. But they kept true to Woody's character, and Woody is usually right. With the importance of how great it is to be a toy, being loved by a kid, and I love his new mission in life at the end of the movie, which I'm not going to say. It fits so well for Woody. Is still Woody, even though he doesn't have a kid. He's no, I can't say because I'll spoil it. Yeah, I love the way they do that because Woody, is, Woody's just a great character. You know the one thing I always wondered. Okay, so he's old. He is. He's yeah, who knows how old he's been? Yeah, who knows? Woody is supposed to kind of be like Howdy Doody. Yeah. So I always wondered. Unless he was just in the store for a long, long time, surely he had to have a kid. Yeah, he probably sort. was a hand-me-down. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if he was his dad's or his granddad's? That's what I'm thinking. They never got into it, but that would be interesting if he was his granddad's or his dad. That'd be a fun story. Something they could down. do a they could do a prequel. That would be fun. Yeah, that's what I would would be nice to see some stuff. Yeah, some prequels. Like, where did he come from? Because he's an older toy, but well, you know, yeah, he's still beloved by an '80s, '90s kid. Yeah, that would so, be fun. I guess he's more of a 90s kid, though, Andy. Yeah, like in the 90s. He's like five years old in 1995 when the first film comes out. Yeah. Which I, I was I've never seen that twice in the theater. Yeah, I, I saw a few times. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see like where he came from because he was probably in the 1950s, so it'd be like well, his grandfather, probably. Well, you know, it makes you wonder, though, if maybe he was kept as a collectible in a box. Yeah. and Because, now, granted, Stinky Pete had become aware and alive while still in his box, maybe because yeah. it had been just so long. But notice all the Buzz Lightyear figures until they're disturbed in their box didn't come to life they just they're like in so what if woody for all because he didn't know he was part of a show what if maybe he had just been in a box all that time for some reason until given to andy and andy's like collector schmicker i'm five years old it's a toy yay they don't do that so that's when woody would have actually come to life maybe when he's actually taken out of the box and played with it would be neat to see that what they could do though for that yeah disney plus is gonna have to have some kind of content they could they got lots of stuff for content, but a, a Toy Story series, why not? That would be fun. Would fun be in fun. Bonnie's room. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, uh, origin the Woody. <laughs> the Woody Bonds. show, yeah. Or, what? you know, I've even, I, this is rumor, I, I don't usually report rumors, but there was something that flew around that crossed my eyes that the Country Bear Jamboree, I guess it still exists in Walt Disney World, they were thinking about taking that out and putting a Woody's Roundup and having that animatronics that look like they're marionettes. That would be fun. That would be fun, but let's not take away Walt's last laugh. No. The last thing Walt was noted to be to laugh at was some drawings of the Country Bears, and destroying the Country Bears would just... Don't do it. I'm already sad that they messed with the Pirates of the Caribbean and they took... Yeah. Um, um, golly, now I can't think of his name either. His voice is now gone because he's not the auctioneer anymore. Uh, Paul um, Sorino. Um, no, I, I was I was looking at you Come like on, you were going to fill it in for me. This stuff. Paul oh, Rubin. Uh, <laughs> I'm 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 not on my game today. But you know we've lost his voice from Pirates of the Caribbean forever because of changes. And you know. The, I, yes, always adding new stuff is usually a great thing, but sometimes we lose something, and that hurts. Yeah. 
I and I'd hate for them to lose Walt's last lap by cutting the Country Bear Chamboree out. But we'll see, because right now it's just the idea, the idea floated around there, and it was a rumor. So I don't think it's actually happening. But it would be neat, but I just don't want to see them cut out the Country Bear Jamboree to do it. Yeah. Although Frontierland, it was a great, it would be a great place to do a Woody's Roundup thing. It would be awesome. But right here every you're, you're building a Pixar area though over yeah, uh, in, the, in the in the park. Put it on Pixar Pier. Put it there. Yeah. Put it there. But of course, Pixar Pier is over in Disneyland, and we're talking Florida. But that's the only place that has uh, Country Bear Jamboree. So, in order to put it somewhere, they might. Well, they have. A, but they MGM. have Toy Story Land now. Yeah, and the, yeah, over there in MGM. Or so, I say MGM. You know. Yeah, I mean. yeah, the Hollywood Studios. So yeah. put it over there in Toy Story Land, and put a Woody's Roundup there if you're going to build it, and make it awesome because it would be. But please don't cut out something that was Walt's laugh, laugh, last laugh. Yeah, last laugh. So okay. Anyways, do we have anything else we want to say about Toy Story Four? It was wonderful. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Go, go again. See it twice. See it three times. And it'll be funny, I'm sure, every time four you see times. it. Four times. It's Toy Story 4. Yeah. Well, I just it was think super it, funny. it gives a more satisfactory end. Yeah, it does. From my yeah. I just, it, I just wish it would have had a bit more build up to where I would have felt the same way I did at the end of Toy Story 3 when it happened. But I guess I, maybe it's too much I was expecting it because they said it was going to be an emotional ending. Well, I'll tell you what. And so I was like, oh, this is the emotional ending. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, this, but to me, it, it, I wasn't sad. I was like, good for Woody. You know, Woody's getting, Woody has sacrificed so much, Woody's finally getting something he wants. I was actually just too happy for Woody to be, oh, this is sad. Oh. And well, so if that's what they wanted me to feel, I didn't feel it. I felt just happy for Woody. Well, I don't think they really wanted you to feel sad. sad. I, that might have been it, because it was ha so sad happy, in Toy Story 3. But... Happy is also an emotion. It's still an emotion, yes. But when they're saying Tim Allen cried when reading the lines, I, that's what that's for what him. sold it for me. For him. But for that's him. what sold it for me. It's like, ooh, this is going to be some big, impactful thing. Well, and I guess but, I went in too much expecting it that I was like, oh, yeah, well, okay, I think it for is. for him it was, you know, because if you've been acting... Because if they follow Woody, he's out of a job. <laughs> well, you know, if you've been doing that stuff for I think years, spoiling, you know, yeah. and you're sitting there reading it, and, and you know yeah. it's going to be the last... It would be a movie. Because yeah. to see Buzz Lightyear die... No, I'm joking. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> he really did get burned up. Yeah. And lots of us there was the pitchfork. But, <laughs> especially, though, speaking <laughs> of the ending... Stay until the very end of the Pixar logo at the end of the movie. Do not leave. There is stuff all through. Uh, well, I mean, there's a bit of the credits, but even the Pixar logo at the end of the movie, you have to see. So do not get out of your seat. Sit there and watch. There's a lot of, uh, you know, extra innings, more than oh, extra innings than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's what it was. Lots of extra little endings and little bits of story, little extra gags, and then finally at the end. The, the most satisfying, funny bit is at the Pixar logo at the end. So do not leave. Well, it's worth it if you get Phil's commentary. <laughs> well, the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, but now it's time for Gary Wood, which I guess I gave enough an introduction earlier, but uh, had a fun conversation. Here is part one of my conversation with Gary Wood, filmmaker of Saving Star Wars and some upcoming documentaries. To Disney and beyond. Did you get a chance to see the movie? Yes. While I was kind of, uh, I've been having, uh, I have, I have irritable bowel syndrome, and it's been working its way and doing the bad I stuff to my stomach. Actually, do too. So yeah, I was having a bad stomach day the other day, and so I, I figured, well, okay, if I'm going to lay in bed not feeling good, since I found it on YouTube, I said, let me watch this, and it was good because I needed to laugh. So. Yeah. Very good. Glad you laughed. It did make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like this is the scariest thing. So. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a silly, goofy movie, but it's got some heart, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's it's funny, it's you know, it's so low budget. The yep. acting is weak. Yeah. Um, most parts. It's kind of like to me. I I always look at. As a matter of fact, when we were on the set, my partner. Justin Eskew, we're, you know, we're filming and we're watching these performances and he pulls me aside and he goes, these performances suck. <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I go, yeah, but I think it's okay. He's like, how is it okay? And I said, well, I said, look at Clerks. The performances were horrible in Clerks. Yeah. You know, but that, but that kind of added to the charm of it. It added to yeah. the kind of quirkiness of it. And, and Justin goes, you, but they didn't mean to do that. <laughs> and I go, no, no, he, no. What he said was, he said, yeah, but I think they were trying to do that. That's what he And I'm like, I don't think they were. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's the best they could do. Yeah. You know? And I said, so I think to me, this is working. You know, it's not. I knew I had to have two stronger actors in the in the leads, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with with Woody and, and Hank. And Hank ended up, uh, Jim Peterson ended up winning Best Supporting Actor at the London Science Fiction Film Festival. Wow. Yeah, I know, man. We were up against multi million dollar films starring Sean Astin, and you probably heard of Primer uh, uh, and uh, one of the Cube movies, you know? And so we come out of it with a best screenplay nomination (laughs) and and a uh, win for best supporting actor. So that's huge, you know? Uh, uh, Very cool. And so, and Joe Urban, who played Woody, he had the toughest role because. You know, he's a grieving father through the whole thing. And, you know, and it was tough to we couldn't just watch this guy mope around the whole movie, you know. Um, Yeah. And so my trick to him was, I said, the way I see it is when you're with your son, there's nothing wrong. You're the life of the party. You're just trying to keep him laughing and having fun, Mm -hmm. you know, and keep his mind off of that. And nothing's wrong. Um, And when you're with other people you're just pissed at the world yeah (laughs) just angry and bitter and you despise anybody who wants to have a good time and you know that you've got so much going on and the only time we will ever see him sad is when he's by himself we'll see him sad and crying you know yeah and that kind of to me that gave him some layers little dimensions to him that wasn't just woe is me you know uh my life sucks and moping around you know so uh, I think that worked out well, and that's a, it was a tough job for Joe, you know. And obviously, he's not a professional uh, film actor, but I think he did pretty good, you know. Yeah. The quirkiness comes from all the secondary characters, which, funny story, uh, <laughs> the guy who plays Dennis Vader, the, the Darth Vader uh, costumer. Yeah. <laughs> Which his Never. face somehow looked familiar. Like maybe I've seen him in another fan film or somewhere. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I doubt it, but maybe. Uh, maybe he's just one of those type of people that you've always run into that person. He just has I that. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the funny part. I've never acted in his life. Uh, he got cast because he had a badass Darth Vader suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good suit. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much it. It was like, and and you know, he's a big guy. He's tall. So yeah. So not just anybody's going to fit in that. And I'm not, I'm not going to say, hey, can we borrow your, you know, $10,000 Darth Vader suit? Like, no, it's like, dude, you got the suit. You're in. <laughs> so, but here's the thing about him, man. You know, it's like, again, not a solid actor, uh, you know, weak and, and a little stifled. 
but it worked. I think yeah. it worked, you know, and of all the people on that set, man, I think he had the most fun. He appreciated being there the most. And he just, he gave it all. He gave it his all. I mean, he really, really went for it. Uh, and for somebody, because even like you can tell he's a little stiff, but you can tell he's not holding back either. You know, he's doing the best that he can do. Yeah. <laughs> at that point in time. And and how uh, many people get to say they can have a scene with David Prowse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, you know, we shot uh, a whole summer weekends only. Right. We had a few weekends off here and there, but we shot a whole summer. But the, you know, that, and the biggest problem with movie making, especially when you're not doing it all at once, Monday through Saturday or whatever, is keeping the momentum going and keeping everybody interested. So yeah, towards the end of the summer, and especially we had a couple scenes that we needed to finish up, which we didn't get to until February. We shut down around Labor Day, and you know we finished up then in the following February. And... We just we were having trouble getting the the participation from the 501st. And don't get me wrong, they're amazing. You see them in the movie, and what mm -hmm. they did did were did was amazing, you know. And we couldn't have done it without them. Uh, the same with the Indie Knights, which is the Jedi, you know, group um, in Indianapolis. Cool. So, but the as as participation started lagging because it was kind of dragging on too long, you know. I've been all summer, uh, boy. Um, Scott Bader, uh, he 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 drunk emailed his his fellow five oh first guys and just ripped them up. <laughs> like you know, he goes, you know, we we spend all this money in these costumes and we do this. He goes, what do we do it for? This is exactly what we do it for. And I was like, and here's our opportunity and blah blah. But you know, it was just hilarious. And he he called me drunk saying he wrote it, you know, wrote it, and it was it was you know, I got drunk dialed from. From Dennis Bader, you know. uh, uh, he smells like spit over the phone too. But, uh, no, Scott, actually, Scott's the complete opposite of Bader. He's 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 pretty badass. He's you know, <laughs> and he's a he's like a big wig, big executive with Rolls Royce. So yeah, Dang. he he's not yes. Yeah, it was it was a big deal for him. He didn't have to do that you know he's and he didn't get paid you know no but the only person that got paid on that set was dave Prowse. uh yeah <laughs> so yeah so and 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 the funny story about <laughs> how i got dave Prowse involved was we were about halfway through shooting and we go to gen con is in indianapolis and gen con doubled for the Star Wars celebration. So we we're actually shooting it. Um, somebody says, hey, uh, Darth Vader's there signing autographs. Well, he had been there the year before at the Star Wars celebration. We had Star Wars celebration, I think, two, three, and four, I think, in Indianapolis. And he had been there before, but we weren't shooting. I had actually didn't even have a script at that point, but I knew what I was going to do. Um, but he's there, and I couldn't get near him. I mean, his lines were the longest of all of them. And, you know, Billy D. Williams was getting pissed off because his line kept invading his, and <laughs> you know, and they had to move Billy D. And, you know, other people had to move because, you know, so, like, I didn't have a chance. So then I hear he's here, and I'm like, no, he's not here. Because it wasn't advertised. He wasn't advertised to be there. I go, and I walk over to the signing area. I'm like, there's Dave Prowse. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. <laughs> 
because <laughs> I got to run home and get my 1977 Star Wars Darth Vader mug <laughs> and uh, get that baby signed. Yeah. So, uh, so I get it signed and I'm talking to him and uh, I said, hey, we're actually here making a movie today. Really? What's it about? And I tell him and, uh, you know, it's about two Star Wars fans that accidentally kidnapped George Lucas and he laughs. And then I go, um, so would there be any, re- any like legal reasons why you couldn't appear in something like that? He's like, no, not at all. He goes, uh, and I, I'm like, well, I, you know, I wouldn't ask you to wear the suit. And he goes, he goes, no, I wouldn't wear the suit. And I said, well, legally, can you? He says, yeah, I can. He goes, but I wouldn't. <clears throat> so, um, so, uh, I said, well, okay, well, let me know how to get to the script. So he gave me his email address. Uh, we went back to shooting and then we shot on weekend. So Monday I, I sent him the email, sent him the script. And he wrote me back pretty quickly, probably in a day or two. And you know how the movie starts out where Woody's pissed, you know, and he talks about the rabid Star Wars fans and the geeks and the jerks and the, you know, morons and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so he, he, he read the first act and he wrote me back and said, hey, you're kind of hard on the Star Wars fans here. <laughs> he goes, I don't know, you know, if this is going to be, you know, something I, I should get involved in. And so I wrote him back and said, Trust me, please read on, finish the script. You'll see that it all comes together in the end and that the very very geeks and dorks that he, you know, not only do they come to his aid, but he has to finally admit that he is one of them. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And and that kind of comes from me, too. I'm the same way. It's like, I love Star Wars. I don't dress up. I don't, you know, but I'm kind of a closet Star Wars fan sometimes. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Uh, I don't want to be labeled a nerd, even though I clearly am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but as I've gotten older, I've, I've cared less and less about that. But certainly back when I made this, you know, 15 years ago, I was a little that way. So I came to terms with my fandom as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Dave, about a week later, I got an email and they said, you're right. Every, all is well. I'm in. I'm like, nope, I got Darth Vader in my freaking low budget movie. <laughs> <laughs> so then... Then came the oh the other thing though the only stipulation that he had was that he wanted his part to be more than a walk on or cameo he wanted to have, have a significant role in the plot so oh, keep in cool. mind we'd already been shooting for a month or for uh, half the summer two months or more yeah so I had to look at the script see what we shot I had to figure out a way to weave him into the story and make it, make him significant without changing what we'd already shot yeah. And, you know, what I came up with was, well, okay, he's going to be at the convention trying to get himself into the prequels. And in the end, um, you know, he saves the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it worked perfectly. You can't even tell. You know, it's, I think it's pretty seamless because it just seems like that's the way we wrote it from the beginning. You know? Yeah, it, it did work out very much like it was planned that way. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very happy with that. Um I was, uh, my favorite part, of course, was that I got uh, throttled and choked by Darth <laughs> Vader and thrown against the wall. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> I, even lo- I love when he picks up the, uh, you're basically your, an- your other antagonist, you know, the, uh, uh, oh, the Italian guy. I love it when he picks him up. I was like, oh, just drop one yeah. line from the film would have been great, too. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that was, that was me. Oh, that was you getting to that fill was, in. That was me. Yeah, and the thing oh. is, I didn't, I didn't want to be in this thing. 
my my friends and my partners, they all wanted me to play the lead. And I'm like, okay, nobody wants to short, fat, bald dude. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not going to work. I did. I wasn't planning on playing that guy, Max Salvadori. <laughs> uh, but I had, here's another thing that people don't quite get, which this is going to be our special edition shot in the new version. Uh, we're going to do a CGI shot. Um, but the guy that walks into frame and is watching the trailer with Lucas and he talks about, you know, hey, we're going to go in Indianapolis, zip in, zip out, you know. That's mm-hmm. that's supposed to be the same guy that I played. Oh, <laughs> but we shot that scene, and then that guy lost his job and took another job out of state, so he was gone. Then mm-hmm. I hired another guy to do it, and then um, the day that we were shooting in the alleyway where everybody where they arrest, it all kind of comes together, and they uh, arrest Mac and they fire the agent guy, and everybody's there. The entire cast is there. The day that we were going to shoot that. Uh, the guy who I hired to play Mac uh, called and said, I'm sick. I can't get away from the toilet. Oh, <laughs> wow. At that point, I'm like, I hollered from my wife and said, hey, you know what? Get me a jacket and a black sweater, and I guess I'm going to be this guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't coordinate that day again, you know, yeah. uh, with the location and everything. So I ended up doing it. But like I said, I think one of the fun things we're going to do with this new version that we're working on or a special edition, a very, it's going to be Saving Star Wars, a very special edition. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, I think we're going to try to CGI me into that scene. <laughs> so, so, so there'll be a little bit of connective tissue there. And you'll know yeah. you know, the way it is, it kind of pops up. People don't really question it. I don't think they put two and two together and they don't go, oh, wait, that's a different guy, you know, because we never mentioned his name. And it just seems like yeah. it's, uh, you know, it doesn't really get questioned. But yeah. if we can get it to where it was supposed to be, to where it's the same guy, then, like I said, I hope there's a little bit of uh, dramatic flow through there and, uh, yeah. you know, connective tissue, so to speak. Yeah, and it's what I've found very fun is part of the plot involving uh, uh, Woody, which is funny, you know, with Toy Story 4 having just come out, but yeah, uh, Woody yeah. trying to get he those you know they want the the uh the seven eight and nine films and now here we are getting them when they're on the yeah. verge of nine right. coming yeah. out this year i was like right. oh man they had no idea what was going to happen <laughs> oh but okay here's here i'm gonna i'm gonna blow your mind a little bit here okay so here's the thing and and you know i'm not i'm not totally like saying yes we saved star wars however <laughs> uh our movie was about saving Star Wars, right? It was about trying to get those sequels made. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if George Lucas has seen our movie, but I do know he's had the opportunity. And I know this because I personally handed two copies of the movie to Steve Sansweet, who was the fan relations guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he was well aware of the movie. He was like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm actually eager to see what Dave Prowse does. And I heard you, uh, you guys were just in London, right? You just won some awards. Yeah, I did. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. We did. So then I was in Dallas at a uh, showing at a convention, and Matthew Wood was there. Who Matthew Wood is the supervising, you know, editor, a sound editor at Skywalker Ranch. He works, he says, he's told me he sees Lucas every day, works mm-hmm. with him. I gave him two copies, and he goes, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to pass this around at work. And I'm like, work is Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> so, <laughs> hell yeah, pass them around here. Have some yeah. Time, right? So there's four copies roaming around Lucas's camp. So then, just by sheer happenstance, 
we're at the London Science Fiction Film Festival, and I'm doing a lot of sightseeing before you know our showing. I didn't see any other movies. I just wanted to see London, right? Mm-hmm. So we go to Abbey Road. Actually, we didn't go to Abbey Road. We actually no, we did go to Abbey Road. And coming back on the train on the tube, there was a guy that had a big cello case, and you know clearly that's probably the only place he was coming from. And I said, so I said, were you playing Abbey Road? And he goes, uh, yeah. And I go, oh, cool. He says, well, what are you guys working on? And he was kind of reluctant and kind of reluctant. And I go, hey, you know, it's okay. You know, you don't have to tell me. It's top secret or whatever. And he goes, well, actually, I love to tell people. But he goes, we're scoring uh, episode uh, three, <laughs> <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. I'm like, you are got to be. <laughs> there is no way that I came half the planet away and ran into some dude. <laughs> playing on the score <laughs> so i'm like you know okay is george lucas there and he goes well, we're not supposed to say <laughs> goes, so was that a yes and he goes yeah <laughs> i'm like oh hell yes so the next day uh you know uh i grabbed two copies put it in a manila envelope and something told me do not seal that envelope <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wrote Mr. George Lucas on the outside of the envelope. Didn't seal it. I go, uh, I had a, um, uh, I think a year old baby with us at the time, like my son, Max. And he's in the stroller. We go to Abbey Road Studios. We take the two, we go to Abbey Studio, and there's steps there. So I have to lift the, lift the baby carriage up the steps, roll it in. Maybe that helped. We got a baby, right? So yeah. maybe we're in Paris, right? Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> I go, uh, they go, hey, can I help you? And I'm in Abbey Road Studios now. (laughs) And they go, can I help you? And I go, I'm actually here to deliver a package for George Lucas. Three ladies behind uh, the desk immediately get very nervous, stiff, and quiet. And they look at each other. And one of them uh, finally speaks up and says, is he expecting it? And it's kind of like that scene in uh, Ghostbusters. You know, if somebody asks you if you are God, you say yes. (laughs) So he said, is he expecting you? I said, yes, he is. <laughs> so they're still nervous. So they, um, I open, I opened the envelope and showed them. I said, it's just a couple DVDs. Then they relaxed. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I sealed it. I had, you know, George Lucas on the outside and uh, they took it. And I said, thank you very much. <laughs> And I left Abbey Road Studios, and, and then we went and outside and took pictures at the uh, crosswalk and outside and everything. So, of course. <laughs> so, so uh, the, uh, yeah. So, so you know, I do I, I don't know if it got delivered to him, but that's basically six copies that are floating around his camp that he had the opportunity to see. I don't know if he saw it. Uh, Garrick. Oh, by the way, Garrick Hagen saw the movie. Uh, Kenny Baker saw the movie. Uh, Anthony nice. Daniels stopped in for about five minutes in a showing, but uh, the theater was very hot, and I think he, he left mainly because of that, I hope. Um, so, again, there's people that have seen it that could mention to him and say, hey, you should check this out or avoid this at all costs. <laughs> uh, so the question then becomes, if he saw it, you know, was there a sliver of what we did, that what we said in there that could have possibly said to him, this is bigger than me. And even though I have no interest in doing it, maybe I should 
turn these reins over to somebody and let this be done. Yeah, I and I've heard so. I've heard quotes about him saying that uh, he he felt like he made a film that uh, if he hadn't done it, Disney would have. Uh, so it's yeah. like, yep, yeah, hey, well, let's have Disney make some then. Exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah. So I don't. I can't say no. You know, I can't say no. You're we right. absolutely had no. We had no part in this. <laughs> were we were we a major factor in the decision? I'm sure we were not. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's but that same people who hold the holiday special as canon. It's like you can't really completely say it is, but you're going to say it is because you got enough stuff to be able to say. Why not? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, so that's our kind of like little lace in the hole there of, of <laughs> yeah. you know, what we're also going to play on in this future you know, round is just, you know, hey, you can't say we didn't have an effect. <laughs> yeah, know? that's true. So, we, we Maybe we did actually save Star Wars, you know? Maybe. So, uh, yeah. So that's pretty huge. Um, the the biggest hurdle to overcome when people see it is at first I really resented and and pushed back against the term fan film, you know, because it doesn't take place in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes place in. The real world. Yeah, Which, the real world and convention. In a, in a way, that is a fan film. You made a film about the fans. And in that, in that way, yeah, it is a fan sure. film. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, um, in a way, you know, most films are fan films. You know yeah. what I mean? Star Wars was a fan film, in a way. You know? uh, so, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a fan film. Yeah, so, because George was a fan of yeah, Flash Gordon. Uh, that's and... when I started saying, well... Okay, if it's a fan film, that's fine. But it is a fan film that stands on its own. It's a, mm -hmm. it's, it's real. The movie's really not about Star Wars, you know. So, and it was more, to, you know, what the story was about was about a father and son. You know, it wasn't about Star Wars. Star Wars was just the backdrop. Star yeah. Wars gave them something to bond. And much like my kids, uh, and my my, I have an older son that we bonded just like he talks in the movie. You know, it's like we. Um, saw the new releases when they came out, you know, and re-released in the theater and the special editions. And, and then in 1999, you know, uh, 1998, they start making the uh, Phantom Menace. And it's like we're passing around stories. And this was kind of pre-internet. I mean, not pre-internet, but certainly pre-in every household, you know. Yeah, it was pre-social media at that time, too. Yeah, you know? oh, absolutely. Yeah. You had chat rooms, but that was about it, you know. And we're going to have to leave that right there. We'll pick it up again next week. But uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed talking to him or basically listening to him. He pretty much was just telling me a lot of interesting stories. And, of course, like I was saying before, go see Toy Story 4. It was delightful. And I got to say, I am a Forky fan. I loved Forky. I just wish he'd have been in the movie even more than he was because it seemed like his plot line kind of was resolved uh, and it became just a MacGuffin for the rest of the movie. And I thought we were going to get more of Forky than we did. And I really did love Forky. Uh, so definitely go see Toy Story 4 and come back next week when we're going to hear more about saving Star Wars and some of the other projects that Gary Wood's looking for, you know, or doing right now. And also look up Saving Star Wars on YouTube. Try Googling it first and see if you can find the film that way because Saving Star Wars on YouTube, you get a lot of different videos of other people that think Star Wars needs to be saved from other stuff or whatever. But if you look up Saving Star Wars on Google, you'll hopefully find his official YouTube channel where the entire film is there so you can watch it and have a good laugh. It is a very funny film. But we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. 
Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.